Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Joining me today, Joshua Reed from Maryland Sports Blog. Joshua, thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to talk a little bit about the tight end position, but first let's let's get some background from you. Um, well, I'm a lifelong Baltimore Ravens fan. I'm born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. I get the question, how are you Ravens fan from Alaska all the time? But I just fell in love with the team at a very young age and um, fell in love with sports journalism uh, while I was in college and had just been wanting to cover the team for, for quite a while, long time now. And I got the opportunity through Maryland Sports Blog. They hired me back in, um, back in May, I think, I believe May it was. And I've been having a blast ever since. All right, fantastic. Uh, you got a recent publication out there you want to tell us about? Um, yes. Yeah, so um, every time the Ravens have like a, a player or a coach has like a press conference, I try to do like a little takeaway segment, and where I don't just you know copy and paste their quotes or anything like that. I actually you know give context and kind of break stuff down um, for, from from the pressers and kind of like what that means going forward. Like, you know, when, when the coach is talking about, you know, are we going to use two two running back sets or something like that? I just try to like break it down for people to understand. So it's not just like coach speak or player speak. They actually know what the player and the coach are talking about and kind of put it in layman's terms for a lot of people out there so they can kind of get knowledgeable about the game of football and about the Ravens. All right. Very cool. Some of the interesting news recently, obviously related to the opt-outs. Uh, the Ravens already been hit by a couple of them, not particularly major losses, uh, in my opinion. Andre Smith, a tackle where the Ravens are very thin, but he was a very marginal backup at the position, I think we'd agree. And also uh, their return specialist, Andre uh, Thomas, who already was looking like his job was in jeopardy. Yeah, um, I, I mentioned in the in the piece I wrote I wrote for Maryland Sports Blog when uh, he when he announced that he was going to opt out that it was going to be uphill climb for him to make the roster anyways. Um, he's like said outside of returning, he doesn't really have that big of a special teams role. You know, Chris Moore is really the kind of go to go to special teams receiver on that team, so he had he had to you know over over. He have to jump over Chris, Chris Moore on a depth chart, and then you got so many other young receivers on that team. So, um, like I said, and, and even when the Ravens added him last uh, late last season, I mean, he didn't really bring the spark to the return game that many were expecting. I mean, I remember watching him in college, and he was as electric as they came, and he kind of like kind of struggled to find his footing at the NFL level. Um, I don't know if it's just because of opportunity or you know confidence or whatever, but um, it's just like I said, did, he didn't have the really the, the desire to. 
spark that I thought he was going to bring to the to the Ravens return game. And now that they're talking about having probably uh, James Prochet, rookie receiver at SMU, uh, kind of take some take some uh, take some reps back there. Then uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be uphill climb for him to make the roster, anyways. And obviously, a veteran player uh, is is in a tremendous hole to start with against a rookie that's just been drafted for a lot of obvious reasons, but the first being that that rookie is going to be cheap for four years, and Thomas, I believe, is only signed through the next year and probably not with guaranteed money through 2020, so very likely, obviously, that Prochet makes the team. Prochet is the return man. Prochet also has some uh, value as a receiver. We did see Anthony Thomas on the field for a few offensive plays in 2019, but he really didn't contribute much there, so I think he's really exclusively a return man at this point in his career. Yeah, I think he only had one reception in um, last season. I think that actually came with the Chiefs, not with the Ravens. I don't think he recorded a single catch with the Ravens. I think he had like one carry for like one yard or something like that. So um, it, it's really disappointing because, you know, you see the way that Tyreek Hill was used with the Chiefs. It's like, you know, with the whole wingback thing. And you think a guy like D'Anthony Thomas who has a similar skill set, but he just, like I said, some guys just, you know, they can't they have a struggle finding their footing, even though they have all the requisite skill sets and ability. They just uh, can't really put it all put put two and two together yeah it's a it's a difficult one sorry about that we'll we'll move on to talk about the tight ends one of the reasons i I wanted to bring up the opt-outs initially is that we haven't heard all of the opt-outs yet in my opinion and some of the health opt-outs in particular are of a serious nature because the player will accrue a season despite not playing and the player who seems to be right in the crosshairs of that would be Mark Andrews. Now, obviously, Mark Andrews, I'm sure, would love to play his third year, prove even more that he's a you know, very high-quality tight end in the NFL. But on the other hand, uh, you know, spending a year on the sideline with his type 1 diabetes uh, might make also sense. So I'm, I'm concerned about the possibility of Andrews uh, not being there for the Ravens in, in particular. So maybe we start the discussion with him in, in terms of the tight end, in terms of what he did in 2019. I'm I, almost no player is, is uh, uh, you know, on the black to white scale or the one to 10 scale, or whatever you want to call it is, is perfect. But Andrews certainly didn't have a perfect year in 2019. I thought he was actually better in 2018, despite the uh, all pro nod in 2019. Yeah, um, I, I I liked Andrews, um, you know, both years, but I, I do agree with you. I, I, just, I just felt like he was like a little more, I don't want to say explosive his rookie year, but he was a lot more efficient over the middle of the field. Um, but like I said, he had the big boom in production last year. I actually think Mark Andrews is kind of still kind of flying under the radar. A lot of Ravens became household names this past season, you know, with the 14-2 record. But for some reason, Mark Andrews, just I, I feel like he's not really getting the respect he deserves around the league as much. I mean, he got left out of the top 100 um, the the players list that was voted on by his peers. He didn't even make the the top 110 because they do a little segment inside the um the final episode where they talk about the guys who just missed the cut. Matt Judon came in at 107. Marshall Yonda would have made it at 87 had he not retired. But the fact that um a guy who led who led all tight ends in the league and touchdown catches didn't didn't even make the top. 110 I thought was kind of crazy and then the NFL NFL uh, NFL.com hasn't really been too kind to him either with some of their tight end rankings they had a Gronk ranked above him I believe it was Derek Carr who had Gronk ranked above him uh, Bucky Brooks hasn't you know like doesn't have him in his top five either and I uh, just I, I think he's kind of underrated you know just kind of being underrated right now and kind of overlooked across the league I don't know how how guy who broke out in, in 2019 you know first Pro Bowl season but um hey it is what it is yeah 
I, one of the things that bothered me about his 2019 season was a very low catch rate after week two. So he actually caught less than 60% of the balls thrown to him after week two. Unacceptable for a tight end. Unacceptable for an all-pro tight end, certainly. And they got better catch rates out of Hurst and out of Boyle both. Um, so even though Andrews is the go-to receiver, and sometimes it can occur, your go-to receiver ends up being a guy who gets more contested throws. Yeah, p- teams are definitely paying more attention to Mark Andrews after his like you know his first two weeks and um you know that that Arizona game and the Miami game you know teams were kind of taken aback like okay I knew this guy kind of you know flashed a little bit as a rookie but he's a threat we got to start vote devoting more attention to him and then I also I also think that you know injuries kind of played a factor in and and um and his in his production I mean his production still went up you know put up he put up good numbers you know career high numbers but like like you said he wasn't I just feel like he wasn't the same guy after after teams started paying more attention to him and he started getting kind of banged up uh, further down the stretch of the season yeah i i uh there's a lot i liked about him i i i do like what he added as a blocker in this year but he was not really asked to do a lot of it he was really a designated receiver he got two and a half times as many targets per play as james hurst did so they played the exact same number of snaps and andrews got two and a half times as many uh targets on the season so it's it's not surprising, I guess, that James Hurst wanted out. I think the Ravens are now on fairly thin ice without Hurst facing a possible loss of Andrews and also with a with uh, one of the undrafted guys also already lost for the year. Yeah, that's that's a real bummer. I know Mark Andrews said he intended on playing this uh, this season. I read in the report last week, but um, losing Jacob Breland, the, the undrafted rookie out of Oregon, who was really on a really on a really hot hot pace to start his senior season for the Ducks, and to get like six touchdowns through like the first like five or six games of last year before he went down with the knee injury. But losing him for the season really hurts because I really envisioned him as I kind of taking over for for Hayden Hurst in that number three tight end role. You know, because because that. What what Hurst provided was another, like like you said, another explosive pass catching option. I really think Hurst was more explosive in the passing game, you know, once when he did get opportunities than even Andrews was. I mean, that that breakaway speed. I just think about that play he had uh, mm-hmm. against the Bills where he just took off um, for I think it was like a 60, 70 yard touchdown. I mean, that's that's the kind of Hurst that we all expected to see, you know, the, the, you know. When he when the Ravens drafted him in the first in the first round, um, but um yeah the losing losing Breland really sucks because I know he was the, he could have been that pass catching number three tight end that the Ravens really needed um, to kind of complement Andrews take some of the pressure off him in the passing game. Yeah, I, I thought that one of the things they really got out of Hurst this last year was an outstanding complement extra chess piece in their diamond package when they when they went to that full house backfield look with the run. So they'd line him up in the backfield and he's a dual receiving and blocking threat there. But the, the Ravens, and this is an extended point, I'm sorry for this, but the, but the Ravens run game is really predicated on getting advantages at every single level by the fact that they let that edge defender go unblocked. So Orlando Brown, first of all, chips so that Yonda's block or now the new right guards block is a much easier double team finish for that guy. And then he moves up to level two and gets a fairly easy block on a scraping linebacker or, you know, makes the wash that people get lost into lost in when they're pursuing the backside of that play can be a lineman. But then the thing that that a player like Hurst gets is he gets to make instead of blocking a lineman or being a part of a double team on the inside, he almost always was asked to block a level two or level three player where he's a pretty big size advantage. 
and has all the requisite quickness to get out there. And I thought that was a really nice thing about Hurst was his ability to block that level two or level three guy was very, very good. Yeah, I definitely think both Hurst and Andrews are kind of underrated and underrated or kind of overlooked in their in their ability to block downfield, especially. But like yeah, like you said, get, being able to get those bigger tight, big body tight ends, get to get their big mitts on um, second and third level defenders, uh, creates a huge advantage in the in, in the running game and really open up some of those da- um, long longer pop some of those downfield runs for the Ravens last year. Yeah, those are the ones that make a make a ten yard run a thirty yard run. Those those big blocks in level two or level three, you really force a defense to be pursuing hard on every play. And and you know sometimes they can do it, and sometimes you can't. And hey, you got Ingram breaking some tackles, you got Edwards breaking some tackles. So the efficiency of the yards after contact and the and the yards once they got to level two for for a lot of the Ravens runners is just something really special last year. Yeah, I definitely think that Gus Edwards especially benefited from a lot of those late game carries where the receivers and tight ends were blocking their butts off downfield. And you can see on some of those big runs, you see guys like Miles Boykin, guys like Hayden Hurst, you know, kind of running stride for stride with him or at least breaking him to, so he can get to the second and third level. Yeah, Miles Boykin, very exciting, very, very exciting downfield blocker. But let's we'll keep it with the tight ends. We want to keep the material short and, and uh, you know, not intimidating for our listeners here. Uh, one guy who doesn't get mentioned so much, but I don't think anybody right now is complaining about the contract he got is Mr. Mick Boyle. What do you think about him? Um, I love Nick Boyle. I've been a, I've been a fan of Nick Boyle since since um since he was with with uh, came out of came out of college back in Delaware in twenty in twenty twenty fifteen I believe it was, and um I like I think he's an underrated pass catcher. He's really utilized. He's really been like. The forgotten man in, under, in underneath coverage for the Ravens, like whenever it seemed like whenever Lamar needed a quick like, dump off and the back wasn't there, there was Nick Boyle kind of in the flat or like kind of running some kind of like wheel or angle for um you know on that you know just to get that little underneath intermediate dump off pass. So I, I like the Nick Boyle a lot. I think he's more than just the blocking specialist people make him out to be. Yeah, I think I do think he is one of the better blocking tight ends in the league. Uh, as far as blocking tight end for me, it goes him, it, George Kittle number one, Nick Boyle number two. I'd agree with that. And, you know, throw in a 72.1% catch rate last year. Now, a lot of that may be a case of him benefiting from who Jackson is and creating a lot of play option, play action opportunities over the middle of the field. Uh, but Boyle is, is he catches the ball when it's thrown to him and, and he had a career high seven and a half yards per target. You know, on a team where Andrews is up near nine yards a target, that doesn't seem so great, but that's quite good for a tight end. And uh, definitely something that, that uh, you know, for a blocking tight end in particular, it's adding so much to the double teams in the middle of the field is, is quite good. Yeah, I think Nick Boyle really benefited from the threat of Lamar Jackson running because, like, as soon as Lamar break would break, you know, break contain, and the the defense would cheat up, the whoever was covering Nick Boyle in the flat or you know somewhere at the second level of the defense would just come off of his target, and then you you could see Lamar they would have little quick little sidearm throws, like one of the touchdowns he had against I think of the touchdown two point conversion he had against the Bills, um, where he kind of just like kind of slid it um, behind one defender and Nick Boyle was right there for the catch. Was that against the Bills? Was that was the um, uh, kind of a shot put pass over on the right side of the field, right? That's the one I'm yeah. visually remembering. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a pretty cool play. <laughs> uh, so many players benefit, obviously, from Lamar Jackson, and you're just mentioning the one is is the play action opportunities it creates. But if you're an inside linebacker, you're in a really bad position against the Ravens. I mean, obviously. You see, you your reads are basically gap to gap reads that are that are showing, or triangle reads you'll call them that, that that involve two gaps generally. But you'll see that there are 
uh, players there who are getting beat on their double teams because that's what the Ravens do in the middle of the field. As the mesh point is slowing down the start of that run play, double teams are, are becoming advantages and becoming holes in the middle of that of that defense. Well, if you're a linebacker, your natural instinct is, I see the ball in the mesh point, I'm going to move up. And, uh, you know, oftentimes that puts you out of position to chase down Lamar Jackson. Even when Lamar doesn't go to the mesh point at the, you know, the holes may still be developing based on a motion, uh, motioning tight end coming to the middle, but it also still creates an opportunity, obviously, uh, for, for as long as two hands are on the football, for that linebacker to be thinking run first and for Boyle or Andrews or Hurst or whoever to get open behind them. Yeah, typically what with linebackers, I played linebacker in high school and a little bit in college, is that you know you take those first two read steps. And with the Ravens, like they're so afraid of the run, the read steps you're supposed to retake like one or two. They end up taking three, four, or five because they're so afraid that Lamar is gonna you know tuck it and run. That you know a lot of times you saw like 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 Lamar even said in his press conference that you know you get you get guys like Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle wide open over the middle of the field because teams are so afraid that he's gonna tuck to, you know pull the ball and run or hand it off to running back. But really he's keeping it and throwing it over their heads. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's something about Lamar that I really wanted him to do more of, and that was do more ball fakes. We saw a wonderful ball fake in week two against Arizona where he faked it past the outside of Hollywood. And it was a very quick touchdown to Mark Andrews down the, or it was just a long game. I think it was touchdown to Mark Andrews down the right side. Yeah, It was line. a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you thought, why don't we see more ball fakes? Well, anytime Lamar has two hands on the football, He's essentially executing a ball fake. It's just it's just a different type of fake. <laughs> and players freeze. And I think Lamar actually suffered a lot in terms of his completion percentage over expectation, which is usually one of the stats used to bash him because there were so many wide open receivers that he effectively generated. And so you're, you're he's not really being treated fairly by that stat or judged fairly by that stat. Just one of the many reasons Lamar is 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 better than his outstanding personal stats would tell you. Yeah, most certainly. I'm not going to go off on a tangent here, but I do want to like like I, I I listened to your to your podcast that you had about um about the Lamar bias, but I just like it just boggles my mind this whole narrative that people are pushing now with Lamar being calling him a system quarterback. My own thing is like he's not a system quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jer- uh, Jared Goff, those are system quarterbacks. Those are guys who need certain systems to succeed. But Lamar makes the system. You know, since when is it a bad thing for a team to to formulate uh, build an offense around a one of a kind talent at the quarterback? Position? Position. I'm not gonna say more on that, but I just wanted to get that get that off my chest. I think that's bogus. He does he's not a system quarterback. He makes the system. Yeah, tangents are fine. Tangents are fine, Josh. I I'll just say that that that's that's been true of every great quarterback. Is the system adjusts to them from Unitas, Elway, uh, you know, Brady, Montana, all those guys. The system was very much built for their own particular skill sets, even though they were, they weren't as different as Lamar Jackson is from, from each other, but uh, you know, they each had their own, uh, their own mark they put on those offenses. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about the big three here, obviously the loss of Hurst involved. One guy who doesn't often get in the tight end discussion is Patrick Ricard. Certainly a guy who's played at the line of scrimmage. In addition, obviously his blocking role when in motion is very similar to that of Boyle in motion. So is there a possibility of Ricard taking an either at the line or larger receiving role from the backfield this year? 
I definitely think so. Um, you know, and and he kind of he kind of uh, his production in his production or I guess involvement in the offense kind of dipped a little bit in 2018, but he bounced back in 2019 in 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 in, uh, in a bi- in big effect, playing 31 percent off of offensive snaps and uh, playing 342 on the year. And I I really think that he's gonna. I think like John Harbaugh even said that. It said I think either he was I can't remember if it was John Harbaugh or Greg Roman that said that you know Patrick Ricard is a kind of an option as like you know that third fourth tight end guy who's going to be playing on the on the end of the line along with some of the tight ends and the tackles and I think he could um I think his his involvement in the passing game has grown his involvement in the offense as a whole has grown has grown and if you know if they don't feel comfortable with you know with uh Eli Wolf or 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 Charles Scarf who we're going to get to here shortly I think a guy like Patrick Ricard you know who's who predominantly played offense down the stretch of the season last year will get a much more expanded role and as as part of that you know kind of tight end fullback defensive lineman hybrid i i'm i'm not a big fan of him playing the defensive line anymore i think it's it would be such a blow to the offense to lose him i don't think they should really have him out there for those snaps where they have other alternatives but uh you know i've ricard probably wants to maintain his two-way player status he probably really likes it but uh in in all honesty i don't want the ravens going into a game where they have four active linemen plus ricard I, I I don't even like that, and and they've done that some already. I definitely understand where you're coming from. It would it would be a, a huge blow to lose him on the offensive end, but when he gets the in, in line defense, this dude's a pretty good interior pass rusher. I mean, he, he his get off is great, and he gets some good penetration there up the middle when he is when he does go in later in those games. I don't know if it's off. A fatigue from the offensive line of the other team or just him, you know, beasting, but I'm used to seeing him later in games or in the preseason, just really balling out as a pass rusher. So um, I, 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 I understand, you know, his importance to the offense, but it is nice to see him get after it as a pass rusher sometimes. All righty. All right. So we haven't talked about Charles Scarf. Uh, he's a guy who's now a first year player, not a rookie anymore, but still has four years of cheap contract availability. To the Ravens, would be great if he would suddenly develop, and I would say this preseason, but we're not going to have a preseason. I think that's obviously one of the substantial speed bumps for young players. Did you see enough from Scarf last year that there's there's a level of excitement or belief that he could he could be a guy? Um, I did not. I went I went through it and uh, looked up all the stats and uh, I watched I watched all the Ravens preseason games and he only had one. He, he didn't record his first catch of the preseason until the Redskins game in the Battle of the Beltway for the fourth preseason game. So I don't I don't think we saw enough from him last year. Um, the Ravens got you know he was on a practice squad all year, so they got to you know be able to see him in practice. I watched some of his highlights back at Delaware. He's not a guy that creates a lot of separation, but you know he can go up and high point the ball. He could be a 50-50 guy. Um, I just I. I just don't know. I wish I could be a, a fly on the wall in that tight end room and hear what the coaches have to say about him. But I know for me personally, I haven't seen enough from him to, you know, believe that he can be that, you know, that go-to number three tight end for the Ravens. Okay. So you're, you're, you're more of an Eli Wolf fan that he'd be the last guy, obviously more of a smaller, quicker guy than what you get with Scarf at six five two forty nine. 49. Wolf's about, at 10, 12 pounds lighter and is six, four, I guess he's not that much shorter. Uh, but, uh, I don't um, want words in your mouth. You tell me. 
Uh, honestly, I, I'm, I'm really bummed out about Breland more so than anything. Um, I'm, I'm not the huge biggest fan of Wolf. I mean, he did have a bit, a bit more production when he transferred from Tennessee to Georgia. Um, like I said, uh, he, he's he's renowned as a, you know, I guess coming out of the draft, he was talk, people were talking about him. He's more of a blocker than a receiver. But even in some of the some of the um, some of the tape that I did watch of of Wolf, you know, here recently in preparation of this podcast, um, I didn't see a really punishing blocker. I mean, there were times where he, you know, he'd get up on a second level. Against small defensive backs, but when he came against defensive ends and outside linebackers, sometimes he would kind of get washed out, and they would make the play or in, in the backfield. So I don't know if his blocking ability is as hyped as you know people are making it out to seem. They kind of labeled Breland as the pass catching and Wolf as the as the as the run blocking. But um, I did see some promise from Wolf as a pass catcher in some of the limited opportunities he got in the Bulldogs offense. And um, like I said, uh, the it's 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 really a toss up for me between the two. I'd much rather them rather see the Ravens add a, a veteran at the at the number three tight end spot to bring in some competition. If if the Ravens did uh, do use Wolf, I'm fairly sure it would be as a um, in a, in a similar role to Hurst as far as him lining up in the backfield a fair amount and getting that level two or level three block. They're, they will ask him to make less in the way of inline blocks or even blocks of a linebacker coming up to, to fill a hole on a run play, then he would have level two or level three blocks. I just think his, his size is really ideal for that if his quickness can match it. Hurst could. Many tight ends probably can. Andrews, I think, probably can. But I, but I do have a question of whether or not Wolf is going to have the quickness necessarily and to, to be able to get to level two, get to level three, and keep his feet to make those effective blocks. Yeah, and if you go back and watch his tape against against Notre Dame, um, that's those are kind of blocks he excelled at. You know, not the end line blocks, but you know the ones where he lined up in the backfield or kind of like kind of slid in some like you know kind of some a little bit of motion. But you know when the, the what what they do when they kind of slide into behind the behind the um, inside hip of the of the right tackle and then kind of fire up through the gap of the pulling guard. I think I think in those kind of situations he he'd excel. But like you said, not as an end line blocker. No. All right. All right. Well, anything else about the position in general that you think is uh, is noteworthy while we're here? Um, I like I said, I'd, I'd much rather them see see them at a vet. You know, the Laney Walkers out there. Um, Vernon da- Vernon Davis retired, but you know he could be coaxed into playing for not necessarily his hometown team because you know he played he he uh, grew up in Washington D.C. But he could be coaxed out of retirement for the for the right opportunity to play for his second ring. He won with the Broncos back in 2015. But who knows, you know? Um, but and then and then then the, the other guy um I wanted to mention was uh, Ed Dixon, the former Raven uh, took. Taken out out of, out of Oregon back in 2010, you know he's that part of that Dennis Pitta draft. You know the Ravens like taking two tight ends every every few years, but um, Ed, a guy like Ed Dixon, um, you know he had his best year, his second year with the Ravens, and it's been kind of underwhelming since then. But you know he's a good, he's a nice compliment number three tight end. I think he shined in that role. But Walker would be my favorite at this point if he can stay healthy. All right, I mean, I'm looking at Vernon Davis here. Three of the past four years, unfortunately, last year is the year he dropped to 6.5 yards per target. But three three previous years, he was at 9.4 yards per target or higher. And that would be very exciting to get a player like that. Now, he's 35 years old. Sorry, 36 years old this year. Um, he's born in January of 1984. So uh, he is not a young man. But you're right. Maybe a one-year contract would make sense uh, to provide some sort of veteran presence. I, I think... My guess is Vernon Davis can be had for the vet minimum, but you, you, uh, your guess is as good as mine on that one. 
Yeah, he did cite. Um, I know when he did announce his retirement that you know the, the wear and tear on his body, but because of this unusual off season, the guys are going to get a lot more rest days than usual. So the Ravens are going like the Ravens are, are you know they're, they're the reco- strength and recovery team are already one of the league's best as far as taking care of the veterans and the coaching staff gives them regular veteran off days. So I think you know if the Ravens were to you know approach Vernon Davis like, hey, you know we're not gonna you're not gonna be getting beat up day in day out in practice or in games. You're gonna be playing a limited you know third tight end role. Um, similar to what, what what Hurst played last year, and you have an opportunity to shine and get another ring. Yeah, I mean I, that that would have to be what would be exciting about the prospect for him is coming. I mean, I think I think one of the nice things about this season is I think the Ravens are in a better position than most teams to avoid people opting out just because they're such a great contender. People want to play with Lamar Jackson. I, I just I think they're going to have less opt out difficulty than most other teams because of that. I definitely agree with you. You got a nice blend of young, of, of young players who were just getting, you know, just getting their start in the league and veteran players who were hungry for a ring. So you got a lot of veteran guys like Calais Campbell, you know, who's been to the Super Bowl but never won one. Earl Thomas is itching for a second one. And those kind of guys, you, you, even though they have families, you, they're, they're the kind of guys that they're hungry, that they really want to get chase that championship. And they, they know that this is the best opportunity with the Ravens in this window that they have here. There you go. Well, appreciate you coming on, Josh. A, a great little discussion we've had here. Uh, appreciate you keep, keeping it moving quickly. And uh, tell folks now where they can contact you online or or how they can best contact you. Um, so I'm on Twitter at, at uh, Josh Reed 907, and um, I'm on I'm on Instagram as well. The thing is Josh Reed 27 on 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 Instagram, but you can contact me on Facebook, just uh, Joshua Reed. And um, like like I said, you can read most of my work on uh, Maryland Sports uh, the Maryland Sports blog, and um, come check us out. We've you know, got a lot of great content for you guys covering all the uh, teams, professional and amateur in the DC Mar- and DC Maryland area. All right. Very good, Josh. So I uh, want to talk to other people. If you have a film study short you'd like to do, contact me on Twitter is generally the easiest way to do it. Uh, we send these, we set these things up very quickly and we record them quickly. Uh, Josh, I just talked to you today about this and already you're on, right? Matter of hours. Oh, yeah. I was eager to and do it. Very good. Happy to have you, Josh, and, uh, and uh, love to have more of you out there. Uh, take a chance on doing one as well. And we try to be not intimidating and be as inclusive as possible. Anyway, Josh, thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Thank you. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. 
It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, all made right here in the USA from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.